Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine, the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you guys here today. Happy Father's Day, dads. Yeah, give your dads a hand. Come on, everybody. Dads are great. Happy Father's Day to my dad if you're watching. Uh, love you. Happy Father's Man, we love Father's Day. Father's Day is my favorite of all the different days because I am a father and so it directly honors me. Um, I love it. You know what I love about, I love dad. I think dads are so important. I love dads. And I think one of the, the great things dads can do for us is do things like keep new balances alive. You know, they're keeping the, that company in business. They're, they're, they're making dockers cool every single day, man. We appreciate dads for that. I also appreciate dad jokes. In fact, I love dad jokes. I thought I'd share some of my, my favorites with you here today. Um, I thought maybe you'd like to hear a joke about paper. Oh, never mind, it's terrible. That's good. Uh, did you hear, what do you, call, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. They just keep getting worse. Uh, do you know how many apples grow on an apple tree? All of them, all of them. All apples grow on an apple tree. My favorite dad joke is every time my daughter says to me, that she's hungry, I look her dead in the eyes and say, hi, hungry, I'm dad. And she actually screams in agony already now every time I do that. So I feel like I'm really nailing the whole dad thing and it's feeling good. Dads, we're so glad that you're here today after service. I know you've been hearing about it. We got a great barbecue uh, put together for you outside. Uh, our resident Pitmaster is outside manning the barbecue right now, cooking up some good food for us. So after service, we'd invite you to just hang out with us and have a good time, get some food, and, uh, and we've got a special gift for you out there as well for everybody who came today. And so uh, we're excited about that. Well, hey, let me welcome you especially today. If today is your first time at the Gathering Church, at the Gathering, we talk a lot about next steps. And so uh, we, we've done everything that we can to make it easy for you. So if today's your first time and you've got any questions about anything at all, uh, how you can be involved, what the church does, this and that, and, and all these different things, um, as soon as you walk out those doors, you'll see a Connect Center, and our Connect Center volunteer is prepared to answer any questions that you might have. Today we're doing life group signups, and so if, if you've just started coming, or you've been coming a little while, and you're ready to get in a life group and build some relationships and get to know some people, summer's the perfect time to do it. We do six-week life group semester in the summer that's usually just fun groups, great ways to make some friends and get to know somebody. If you walk right out these doors, you'll find life group signups on the wall opposite the sound booth there today as well. So we got a lot of ways for you to get involved and get plugged in. A lot of easy next steps for you this morning. We just want you to feel at home here. So thanks for being with us today. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Something's Brewing. Something's brewing. In Asheville, we've got an abundance of breweries. At last count, it was 28 within city limits. That's a lot of breweries for a city of 90,000 people. That's about one per family, if my math is right. <laughs> it's not. Craft beer is a part of our culture here. It's a part of, it's not just for beer snobs and for tourists, it's a part of who we are as a city. They're the places that we hang out after work and with our families. In fact, you know that it's a part of our culture in the city when you go to all the breweries around town and they've got kids' spaces in the breweries. 
This is a part of who Asheville is. And so since we are a church in the beer city, uh, we wanted to spend a series looking at the beer making process that's so prevalent in our town and see what we can learn from it as it relates to biblical truth. Today, I simply want to talk about beginnings. And specifically, today I just want to talk about ingredients. So I've titled today's message, Something's There. Something's There. And before we can get started in talking about the process that it takes to make beer, we're going to study it. This, this series, we're going to talk all about the, the way beer is made. You need to know, I don't actually know how to make beer, but I did look it up on the internet, and so I've learned a few things here and there. And we're going to study that process, um, and, uh, and, but before we even get started, I just want to talk about these ingredients, the simple things required to make something good. So beer is made up of four simple ingredients. We've got water, which is the base, barley, Hops and yeast. Simple ingredients. Now you can add, you know, different things here and there. You can add some ginger, a little orange peel, some chocolate, something interesting to your beer when you're producing it. But the four basic ingredients are always water, barley, hops, and yeast. This is, this is the makings of beer right here. Now the brewer has a special talent. See, the brewer looks at these ingredients, and he's able to see the potential that lies within them. The brewer looks at the type of water and even the minerals in the water. He looks at the type of barley, the strain of hops. He looks at the strain of yeast that's produced and understands the complex flavors that he or she can produce from those ingredients. You see, when they look at these four jars, instead of just four separate things, they see the potential for them to make one thing. Now, I'm not a brewer, and so when I look at these four ingredients, all I see is just a bunch of stuff. I see some water that might be good for drinking, some sort of a planting seed, and then a green thing, and then something that smells really bad if you open the jar. I don't know a lot about it. I don't fully understand how the... In fact, if I, if I were to try to make beer, I would probably just pour all of them into the water jar and shake it up really good and hope that something came out of it. Wouldn't make beer. You see, you've got to look at the ingredients. You've got to look at the jars with the vision of the brewer to believe that the potential for something great can come out of them. And today I want to talk about how we see those ingredients and the way that we're able to develop potential in those ingredients, and the way that we're able to believe that there is potential in those ingredients. See, what my hope is, is that before we even start talking about the process, that we can learn to see ourselves, instead of the way that a, a layman might see these, that we can learn to see these ingredients the way a brewer sees them, and even to take it into a step further, make it spiritual, that instead of just seeing raw ingredients in yourself, that you might begin to see yourself the way your maker sees you. There's ingredients and potential for something great. Potential, I believe, is the single greatest unused commodity in the world. You see, we're all born with it. We're all made with it. We're created with all this potential, all this untapped possibility of who we could be, all these dreams that God places inside of us in our inception. But 
so many of us never see that potential developed. We never see those dreams come to fruition. We never see it become reality. Joseph is a, a, a young man who lived many thousands of years ago, and Joseph entered into a process that would work all the way from raw ingredients to realized potential. And over the next four weeks, what I want to do is look at the life of Joseph to study it, and then look at the brewing process and see what we can learn about how potential is developed in our own lives to see us start living in our purpose. Now, Joseph's story is at the end of Genesis. Genesis chapter 37 is where he begins. And let me give you a little background. So Joseph is the grandson of Abraham. Now, if you're new to church and, 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 and all this kind of stuff is a little bit foreign to you, Abraham is the guy who God chose to kickstart his relationship with humanity. And so through Abraham and through promises made to Abraham, God would eventually walk a journey alongside man that would lead to Jesus intersecting our path and making it possible for you and me to have a personal relationship with God even today. And it all started with this guy, Abraham, and with a dream God gave him. And so Abraham lived about 500 years before Moses. If you're into timelines and all that kind of stuff, most of us have seen the movie The Prince of Egypt with music by um, Whitney Houston. And so it was a great movie. Uh, and I'll sing one of the songs at the end of service today for special music. But, but so Moses was about 500 years after Abraham, okay? So now you're starting to, starting to catch up, starting, starting to see where we're at, okay? Joseph is the grandson of Abraham. His father was Abraham's son Isaac, or not, his father was Abraham's son Jacob, who, who or Abraham's grandson, let me back it up, Abraham's grandson Jacob, renamed Israel, okay? And Israel was the one who would have 12 sons who would father the 12 tribes of the Israelite nation. And so Jacob, Joseph's father, was the grandson of Abraham. Joseph, Jacob, this is hard, they both have J's in their names, Joseph was the great-grandson of Abraham and one of 12 sons. Now his father Jacob, also called Israel, you guys keeping up? There's a lot of names, there's a lot of people. I'm mixing it up too, all right? Jacob, also called Israel, had four wives, very normal for 1800 BC, which is where we're at right now. And of those four wives, he had 12 sons and then a bunch of daughters as well. Now, his favorite wife had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And these were Jacob's favorite sons. And Joseph was Jacob's favorite, favorite son. Now, it's hard to be the favorite of your father when you have 12, 11 brothers. And this is, this is something many of us may have experienced because on Father's Day, we can admit that as dads, we have favorite children. We do. Some of our kids are better than the others. This is... <laughs> It's not all that out of the ordinary, you know. And so we're going to jump into the story when Joseph is 17 years old. Jacob has had all the children he's going to have. And he's, he's starting to, Joseph, Joseph is starting to come of age. He's starting to ask questions. Our timeline, this is about 1800 BC. Egypt is the world's largest kingdom at the time. It's the most important country in the world. And Joseph and his family, they live just northeast of Egypt in a neighboring 
country. Okay, let's get into the story in Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. It goes like this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. He was a tattletale. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph, this is verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And he probably should have saw that coming. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Okay, what's all this mean? What's the point here? Some kid has a a dream that he'll have position and leadership and status over his family, and they hate him for it. What is that? How does that relate to us today? Here's what I think it means for us. I believe that every single one of us has potential like Joseph. That God has dreams for us in the same way that he had dreams for Joseph. That we were created to do something great. That we were created with purpose. But like Joseph in this story, many of us aren't ready yet. In fact, I believe that many of us, while we have this potential for something great, that we have this potential to live in this great purpose that many of us have not even started down the pathway to developing it yet. And before we can start talking about what that process to development looks like, I believe that so many of us in this life, we actually never start it because so many things are getting in our way right there at the ingredient step. That before we start developing, that some things are standing between us and seeing that potential that's created in us developed into something bigger and better. And so what I want to do this morning is talk about a few things that are getting in our way. I want to talk about a few things that are stopping us from even being able to see the ingredients, to know that they're there, to believe that there is something more. And then I want to leave us with some encouragement on what we can do next. So I believe the first thing that's standing in between us and seeing those ingredients, seeing that potential, is too many failures. Too many failures. See, I think for many of us, we once believed we had potential. We once believed that we could do anything, 
that, that we could reach for the stars. We, if you grew up in my generation, you grew up with all your teachers always telling you, reach for the stars. You can do anything. If you can dream it, you can do it. And we get all empowered as kids. We get all excited. We really believe we can do anything except as life starts to happen and as we get older, we begin to realize the stars actually aren't all that reachable. That, that some of those dreams that we had weren't really all that practical. For third grade me had to realize that first grade me would never play for the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. It just wasn't in the cards for me. And we start to realize that even though this thing was told us from the time we're very little, that it might not have been all that true. So maybe you had big dreams. And maybe you had things that you tried for and that you, you aspired to, but, but one after the other, it didn't work out. And you had these failures begin to stack up and begin to feel like this was kind of all there ever would be. It began to feel like this was as good as it would ever get. Or maybe we just have a long string of mistakes that we've allowed to define us. And now we just feel like we're the sum of those mistakes. Maybe you're asking, how could I have a purpose? How could God have something big for me? How could He have plans for me? How could there be such ingredients inside of me when the past has just shown me how easy it is to fail? To fail at the job of my dreams. Or just to fail at the job that put food on the table. To fail in our relationships. To fail in our marriage. To fail in our faith. To fail in our self-control over those sins that we hope people don't find out about. And one by one, little by little, all these failures, they just keep adding up. And they build a wall between us and the potential for what we could be. And so instead of pursuing our potential and pursuing these dreams and believing that we have a purpose, all we've learned to do is just give up and submit to our own brokenness. Second thing that stands between us is we forget how to dream. Some of us, we, we, we were told as kids that there were these big dreams ahead for us, but over time as we grew older and we kind of fell into the rhythm of life, we just forgot how to dream. Maybe you just don't have time to dream. You, your pattern of life is something like this. You work, you go home, you make dinner, you watch Netflix, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go to work, you go home, you make dinner, you watch Netflix, you go to sleep, you wake, you wake up, you go to work. And it just goes on and on forever. And then it feels like this is all there is. How could there, how could there be more? How could you dream about more? How could you believe there's more? How could you believe when you have purpose, when you're barely getting by as it is? And there's so much going on in your life and so many obligations and commitments and places you have to be and people you have to meet and different things you have to do, responsibilities you have, that it feels almost irresponsible to sit back and dream. It feels almost irresponsible to believe there could be more for you waiting in this life. And the other side of this is sometimes we forget how to dream because maybe we set a dream for ourselves a long time ago, and then we got there. You know, a certain salary that we, we knew we wanted to get to, or a, a certain job that you wanted, or, or, or a neighborhood you wanted to live in, or a girl you wanted to marry. And you, those were your dreams. And you got to that place, except now you're just wait, wondering if there's more. And you're not dreaming anymore because you believe you've, 
gotten your dreams, but you're starting to feel something rustling inside of you. Because when we forget how to dream, we forget in our heads. But our hearts just keep moving. And what happens is, when we get trapped in this rhythm of just going through life every day and doing the same thing day in and day out and not thinking about whether or not there's more for us, something deep down in our soul won't let us stop wondering if there's more for us. This dissatisfaction starts to boil up and bubble up within us. It's, we have so much anxiety and depression and job dissatisfaction in our country today, and it's because we won't allow ourselves to dream anymore. And when we don't dream anymore, all of those ingredients that God placed inside of us start to feel like they're going to explode. It starts to bubble up. We get this dissatisfaction, this feeling like, isn't there more to life than this? And it makes us frustrated. And the third thing, this is a big one. Maybe for you, like Joseph, it was the voices speaking into you. See, I think a lot of times we don't ever realize our potential or start moving towards it because we listen to the wrong voices. Maybe you've listened to the wrong voices. Joseph, in this story, he has a dream. A literal dream, but also a dream of what he can do in life. He has the ability to, to wake up from this dream and say, I think God was telling me that he's got more for me. I think God was trying to whisper potential and possibility into my life. And he woke up and he just found the closest people in his life to share that dream with. And they shut it down. And they laughed at him and they got angry at him. They told him that it was ridiculous. Told him it would never happen. Ken Grossman is the founder of Sierra Nevada and one of the first guys to push craft beer onto the scene in the early 80s. He was important to the craft beer world, but in the beginning, he was just a guy with a dream. He and his buddy had made all this beer, and the way that they got distribution when they got started was to literally just drive around to these convenience stores and, uh, and ask guys if they would sell their beer. Well, he, he tells a story in an interview that he did with the Homebrewers Association, with their big publication. He, he tells a story about a time when he, sold, he convinced this convenience store, because most of them said no, but every so often one would just get curious and say yes to try it out. And he had convinced this one convenience store to take a pallet of his beer to sell. Well, about four months goes by, and he's done a few reorders with some of his other vendors, but this store had never called him back. And so he decides to drive up there one day to see if they would need a reorder. So he walks into the business, and he talks to the owner, and he says, hey, uh, you know, I noticed it's been four months. You guys haven't reordered any yet. Could I put you down for, for another order? And the owner of this convenience store just looks at him and says, look, man, we, we don't want any more because we didn't sell we just didn't sell it the first time. So King Grossman says, okay, okay, fine, and kind of backs off and decides to look around the place a little bit, and he goes into the room where they received their deliveries, and right where he dropped it off, he sees the entire pallet of Sierra Nevada pale ale untouched right where he put it. Guy never believed in him in the first place. Here's the thing. He could have listened to all those experiences where it just didn't work. All the people who told him it wouldn't work told him not to compete against major corporations, told him people didn't want more hops in their beer, told him all those things, and, and it would have changed the culture of the beer industry forever. Joseph 
could have listened to the voices that were telling him these dreams were impossible. He could have listened and said, no, no, maybe you guys are right. These dreams are foolish and they're silly. And he could have let it shut him down. But he didn't. And Ken didn't listen. And we can't listen to the wrong voices either. Today's Father's Day. So we celebrate our fathers and Man, we honor dads. Dads are so important. You know, we, it's hard for us dads to ever know how important we really are. Because maybe for you, when you think about your father, it's hard to celebrate Father's Day because of your father wounds. You know, as dads, we, we don't really know. We can't fully understand how important our words are, how heavy they are to our children, how important our presence is for our children, how important our support is for our children. There's a deep longing inside all of us to be loved and lifted up and supported by our fathers. But for many of us, you just didn't have that. Maybe for you, your, your dad worked hard and he, he worked hard in long hours and when he did come home, he wasn't really present when he was there. Maybe all you ever really wanted was your dad's support. You know, you, you hoped he would show up at your performances or at your games, but you would always look out to the audience and he wasn't there. Maybe for you, you needed your dad to be there in a really specific season. You needed him to believe in you, to support you, but when it came down to it, he didn't. In verse 10, Joseph and his father, it says, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So maybe your father rebuked your dreams, like, Jake, like Joseph's father did. Maybe he made them seem impossible or unimportant. And it's affected the way that you see yourself. And it's affected the potential that you believe you have in yourself. Maybe when you look at yourself, instead of seeing raw ingredients with the ability to turn into something more, maybe instead all you see is just empty, empty jars. Not much to speak of. Just a container with nothing in it. No real potential to ever do anything special to begin with. Or maybe even worse. Maybe all of it. The, maybe the mistakes you've made. The ways that you've failed. Maybe, maybe just the life that you live where you, you just don't have time to dream. You don't allow yourself the luxury to dream, to believe that there's purpose, to believe that there's more. Maybe it's all the voices that have been speaking the wrong things into your life, your whole life. Maybe it's even voices inside yourself. Maybe you're your own worst enemy. Every time a dream begins to surface, you just squash it back down and say, no, I'm not good enough for that. I don't have the ability to do that. That's too big of a risk. I can't afford to take that. And instead of seeing yourself even as a vessel, all you see is just a broken one. Not capable of holding anything anymore. Not capable of even beginning to hold the ingredients you would need to become something more. And if this is the way that you see yourself this morning, broken or empty, I need you to hear me say, there is more. There is more. You can be more. God created you with a purpose, with a potential. You're not an accident. 
You didn't just happen one day. You, you, you weren't some decision that your parents made or didn't make. Oops. It's not, that's not the way it is. No, I believe you were crafted and created by an artist. And that when he made you, he put everything inside of you that you would need to live in the purpose he made you with. And here's the good news. Because maybe you did grow up with a father that's left you feeling more like this than like this. Maybe your life and your experiences have led you to feel more like this. Just broken and shattered and empty. And I'll tell you that this jar is never going to hold ingredients again. It's broken. It's not going to get fixed. I don't even know where all the pieces are. But that when we get broken, there there is no amount of brokenness, no amount of emptiness that our Father can't fix. And there's there's no amount of emptiness that our Father can't heal and can't fill. And it doesn't matter how broken you think you are, He can put you back together every single piece and give you everything that you need to live the dreams that He created you with. Because if He created you with it, you will finish with it. He doesn't take His promises from you. He doesn't take His dreams from your life and the assignment that He made you with, He will have on your life until the very last day. No matter how far you go, you can never go too far to be put back together by the one who made you. That's a promise. That is a word you need to hear today. You need to let it sink in. If you're even going to begin to develop the potential that he's got for you, you've got to believe God can develop it. He can fix it. He can put you back together despite it. It doesn't matter what the voices have said. It doesn't matter what your father here on this earth has said. The father who made you, your father in heaven, has said that he has given you work to do. And he's going to get you to where you need to be to do it. So I want to share a couple things with you this morning. Because listen, before we can ever get started, we've got to believe that the making of something great is there. And so in order to discover our purpose... We've got to believe there is a purpose there to discover. And so let me encourage you with with just three things this morning, and then we'll be all done. We'll go out, we'll eat some meat, we'll have have a good barbecue, it's going to be fun. But before we can do that, let me just encourage you with a couple things that we can do to get started on this process. First, you've got to see your potential, not your failures. See your potential, not your failures. You may have a long list of reasons why you look more like this than like this. I get it. I get it. But listen, you have a purpose. You were made with a dream in mind. Your father wants you to dream. Don't take my word for it. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's handiwork. You know, that, the, uh, that, that word in the Greek can be translated a number of different ways. My favorite translation is masterpiece. You're not a broken jar. You're not an empty jar. You're a masterpiece. You were put together by the greatest artist in the universe. You're a masterpiece. He says, for we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
He had a dream for you when he made you. You were created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he prepared in advance for you to do. When you were born, you had an assignment, and when you die, you will have that same assignment. He doesn't take it from you. It doesn't disappear. The dreams he wants you to have will always be bubbling inside of you. We've just got to know how to develop the potential to bring them out. God believes in us even when we don't believe in ourselves. He's got dreams for us even when we don't dream for ourselves. And they're bigger than anything we could have thought up on our own. Spoiler alert, but Joseph would lead the most important country in the world one day. The most powerful country in the world. But he started out as a dream mixed up in some raw ingredients. There was a man named Moses, lived a, a few years later. Moses would be in exile for murdering an Egyptian, hiding when God would go to him and find him and tell him that he would lead two million Israelites out of slavery. Now Moses didn't see that potential in himself, but God did. See, God knew it was there because he put it there. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able. He is able. He is able. You've got to believe it this morning. That your God, he gets all the glory and he's able to do this. Through his mighty power at work within us. And you know what? I love that part of this verse because it is at work within us. You see, you may not realize it, but God's power is moving in you to develop the potential that he placed inside of you to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Whatever you think God could do with your life, He wants to do more. Whatever you think you might ask for, for Him to, to dreams for Him to give you, He wants to do more. And I want to give you uh, just a, another spoiler, and we're going to talk about this over the next four weeks as well, but the purpose He's given you, the, the, the potential that He's placed inside of you, it exists to glorify God and serve others. So the dreams that He has for you aren't to glorify yourself. It's not to play for the Chicago Bulls for the sake of being Michael Jordan. It's not, I don't know if they're good anymore. I don't know basketball. I shouldn't talk about it from the stage. That's not what God's doing in you. It's not, it's not for you. It's for somebody else. That's how it works. And that, listen, that will give you more satisfaction and more peace and more joy than anything you've ever thought possible. And God's just already working. He's there. He's able. He's ready to bring it out of you. More than you could ever ask or think. But we've got to believe it's there, and we've got to lean into that process. Ephesians 3.20. So we've got to let him do those things. And all those failures that we have, those mistakes we've made, those things that have gone wrong that have led us to stop believing in that these ingredients are even in us in the first place, we've got to let them move us towards the end result. Hebrews 12.11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So here's a key to that verse, for those who've been trained by it. See, we can let all these failures and mistakes just be failures. We can let it all just add up to a collection of things that didn't work out. Or we can let ourselves be trained by it. Instead of failures, we could see it as discipline. Instead of mistakes, we could see them as the ways that didn't work so we could focus on the ways that will. We could let these things 
start crafting us, shaping us, making us who we are meant to be so we can start developing the potential we were created with. Let, let, it, let, that, let, let it train you. Let it move you forward. See these ingredients the way the brewer sees it. Oftentimes in developing a recipe for beer, the brewer will go through many different trials to get the exact flavor palette he's looking for. But each time, he's learning a little bit about what to do next. Let your failures train you. Learn how to extract your potential from them. And don't disqualify yourself because of these mistakes. Jesus came to make it possible that even people like me with a long list of reasons why I shouldn't could live in my purpose. In Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus gives his mission statement. And he talks about what he came to do. And if your failures are keeping you from seeing your potential, you need to understand and study and read this passage. Look at verses 1 through 4 with me. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners." to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Do you see what he's saying? Jesus came to make things that are broken whole again. That's what he came to do. That was his mission statement. And then it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. God wants to establish you as a symbol of life and as a symbol of how good things are when you are His. And then look what He wants to do. It says, they will rebuild, they will, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities. They that have been devastated for generations. God wants to take the things that were broken and he wants to make them new again and then he wants to use them to do the same things that he came here to do. That's what he wants to do with you. No amount of failures is too great. No, no amount of mistakes are too large. None of them are too deep or too serious. God can rebuild it. He can put you back together again and he can restore a purpose inside of you. We got to believe it. We got to believe it. The second thing is you got to learn how to dream. You got to learn how to dream again. I want you to walk through this process with us over the next few weeks, but you're going to have to learn how to dream again. Genesis 37.5, Joseph had a dream. He just started with this dream. And listen, I, have, I had a dream last night about killer whales, actually, orcas. And I remember it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. But Joseph had the he had this understanding that this dream wasn't just from him, that it was from God. And he understood that that was a dream that God would deliver a promise out of. We've got to remember how to dream again. Maybe it's time to learn how to dream again. You've got this purpose inside of you, and it's there. And even if you've gotten so full in your schedule, your, your days have gotten so scheduled and packed that you don't feel there's time to dream anymore, there's still a purpose created inside of you. And we want to help you discover that purpose, even to learn how to do so. This is one of our primary goals at the Gathering Church. We believe that your design reveals your destiny, that the potential you have is obvious in your creation. 
that your potential should be clear by the things you're already good at, gifted in, the things you like, because God made you with that potential, because you started out with all those ingredients. And so we want to teach you how to see them even inside of yourself. See, we believe your gifts, your passions, and the things you're good at should be pointers to your purpose. And here's the deal. Uh, We want you to know it. We want you to know that purpose. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, the psalmist writes, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He says, I was put together by a maker. You knit me together. Your works are so, I'm so wonderfully made. And how well I know it. See, I think for so many of us, you're wonderfully made, but you don't know it yet. We want to be able to walk with you to rediscover those dreams. We want to be able to walk with you to, to discover how well you were made. You know, next two weeks, we start growth track at, at step one. And I got to let you know, this growth track is how our design at the church to help you understand these things to help you see what God's done in you, to see what he's going to do in you, to see what his plans are for you, the purpose he's made you with. And so if, if you feel like it's waking up, but you're still not so sure what those ingredients are and whether or not they're there in the first place, I want to invite you to Growth Track because we want to partner with you in the discovery. And then the, the, the third thing is this. Lean into the process. Lean into the process. Joseph wasn't stopped by his father's disbelief. Neither was Ken Grossman when the world told him it wouldn't work. And neither can we be. But here's the deal. There is a process. If you believe that God's got a purpose for you, that you've got potential in your life, that the ingredients are there, they're inside of you, you need to know you're going to have to lean into the process. It's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It was never supposed to be easy. Anything that's good requires hard work to get there. Anything that's that's worth waiting on requires discipline. We're going to have to develop some discipline. And we're going to have to trust the process even when it hurts. Even when it doesn't feel like it's taken us anywhere, even when it doesn't feel like anything good could come out of it, when it only feels like things are getting worse and worse, when it feels like we're not, we're not where we're supposed to be, when it feels like God should have a dream for us, why is it taking so long? When it feels like all of it is falling down on top of us, you've got to lean into the process. You've got to trust that God knows how to develop the potential that's inside of you. But you've got to trust it and you've got to lean into it. The beer process is not an easy one for the ingredients. This barley, before it's going to be made into beer, it's going to have to be crushed. It's going to have to be milled. The husks are going to have to be stripped away. Maybe you've got some things in you that are going to have to be stripped away. Maybe there's some, there's some other stuff mixed in that, that doesn't need to be with all that potential and that ingredients. You may be about to enter through a milling process yourself or maybe you're already in one or maybe you've come through it and you're not sure what the purpose of it was but listen 
you've got to lean into the process. This beer is all going to, all these ingredients are going to get mixed together and before they look like beer, before they taste like beer, they're going to, they're going to smell like and look like and taste like something very different. It's going to be hard to believe that all of it's going to come together. But if we could trust the process, and everybody's going to be wondering if the pastor's going to drink this on stage on a Sunday morning. But if we're going to believe that God can take all this and turn it into something like that, that if he can take this potential and develop it into something real and something good and, and something valuable and something that we could dream of, we're going to have to lean in to the whole process. You can't skip any parts. There's no shortcuts. It won't be an easy way to get there. I'm telling you right now that it's going to hurt a little bit. But if you trust God, if you believe in the dreams He's given you, if you're willing to be developed, if you're willing to lean into that process a little bit, something great lies on the other end. Something, something bigger than we ever asked or imagined is waiting for us on the other side. Joseph is about to find that out in our story. Next week, if you come back, we're going to be talking about this milling process, the crushing. We're going to talk about the crushing. And Joseph's going to go through his own crushing. And God did some very difficult things in the life of Joseph so he could do what God created him to do. And I want you to know right now, that the potential is inside of you. That you can, that all this is there and you can move from here to here. But if you're going to do it, today you've got to make a commitment to lean into the process. You've got to sit, because listen, it gets hard and a lot of times people get into the process and they believe they have dreams and they, they believe God wants to do more with their lives, but they get into the process and it gets hard and they quit. And if you quit, while you're putting all of this together, you will never get to this. You won't get there. You've got to make a commitment in your heart right now, today, to say, I'm going to lean into the process. And when it gets hard, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to keep going because I believe God's got a purpose for me and I want to live in that purpose. And if we can do it, God's going to do great things with us. So join us next week as we talk about the crushing and we'll get into studying the beer making process more and more over the next couple weeks. And I hope you'll join us for every week because I believe God wants to do something in your life. I believe he wants to pull something out of you. I believe he's got a dream that he wants to cultivate in you. And I cannot wait to see how he does it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done, God. We thank you that you created us with a purpose inside of us. That, God, you put the ingredients there. That everything that we need to do what you've made us to do is inside of us. And so, God, help us to see it. Father, I just ask, Lord, that right now you would silence every wrong voice speaking into us. That every voice that's hurt us, that's made us feel like a broken an empty vessel, that every, every voice that's made us feel like there's not anything good that could come out of us, God, that you would silence them and that you would kill those voices. That, God, we would only hear your voice saying that you are my masterpiece.
that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you have a dream for us, God. Father, I ask that you would speak purpose into our hearts. Father, for those of us that have forgotten how to dream, wake up the dreamer in us, God. Wake up the dreamer that, God, we might go to bed tonight with a new sense of longing for something more. That you would develop it in us, God. And Lord, you would give us the courage to lean into this process. We know it's not supposed to be easy, but we trust you've got something good for us on the other side. So we lean into it, Lord. We love you, God. Be lifted high. We glorify you. We thank you for being the the best father, God. That even when as fathers, as people, we fail, that God, you never fail. That you're a father who's always there for us. Who always shows up when you say you're going to show up. That you're a father who pursues us who cares for us, who sees potential in us and calls it out of us, God, that you are a father who will never stop loving us and who makes your love so clear to us in everything that you've done and continue to do for us. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to be a good father. We love you. We worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.